And then we will turn to the gospel according to Matthew chapter chapter 8. First of all, Psalm chapter, or Psalm 46, beginning of verse 1. The heading above the psalm says, To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Elamoth, a song. And then read God's word. God is our refuge and strength, a, present, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war seas to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then we turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 8. Well, we read the verses 14 through 22. Matthew 8, verses 14 through 22. Matthew 8, verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases." Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. And the scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. So far, our reading from God's holy word. Let us sing together in response to the word of God. The words of Psalm 66, the stanzas 1 and 2. Psalm 66, stanzas 1 and 2. Our text is found in the, the Gospel according to Matthew. We'll continue on reading from chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, the verses 23 through 27. <clears throat> and when he, that is the Lord Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. 
And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? So far, our text. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Navigating through the treacherous waters of this world can be very difficult. Think of seafarers, or perhaps we more commonly call them sailors. You might say that they are some of the bravest people on the earth, as they often face stormy and raging seas. And so one moment, the sea can be calm and inviting, but very quickly, a storm can arise and threaten to destroy the boat with everyone who is on it. Imagine if you might have been on a boat in the path of one of the hurricanes, whether it was Harvey or Irma. What were the chances of surviving the storm if you were on a boat in the path of the, such a hurricane? You know there would be next to none. Nobody would be able to survive uh, such a storm unless perhaps you had a very special boat for that purpose. Well, life can also be like that. There are times when uh, things are tranquil, tranquil in our lives and, and life is treating us well. Times when we enjoy peace and security, we have good health and we have wealth that we're able to enjoy. We have no cares whatsoever in the world. But that wonderfully settled feeling can change very quickly when suddenly troubles arise. Our lives can be set upside down when civil wars and unrest comes into our part of the world. And suddenly violence strikes us. Or when an accident suddenly takes the life of a loved one. Or we suddenly face with a serious health issue. Or suddenly we're faced with financial uncertainties in our lives. Sometimes our lives can feel like a, a great storm in which our future is being threatened and our life seems to be set completely upside down. How do we survive those difficult storms of life? How do we continue to keep a sense of calm about us? Is it even possible to experience a sense of tranquility and peace in the midst of those troubles that we are faced with in our lives. Well, Matthew records for us the story of the Lord Jesus and his disciples as they're crossing the Sea of Galilee when he says a storm rises up and threatens to sink their boat and destroy all of their lives. Told that the disciples were filled with fear and dread and with terror, they're beside themselves. They just do not know how they were able to escape the disaster. And when they then wake up the Lord Jesus to help them, what does the Lord Jesus do? He rebukes them. Why are you so worked up, he's saying in essence. Why, do you, why are you so full of fear and of dread? Jesus clearly is expecting his disciples and his followers to be at peace in this situation and to experience a sense of tranquility there in the midst of that storm. And so he expects that from his disciples. And he expects that not because there's no danger for them in the storm. 
It expects that because their Lord is with them. With his presence here in the boat, they should have a sense of peace, not fear in the storm, but trust in, in the care of their Lord and of their Savior. If they truly know who the Lord Jesus is, they should be afraid of him rather than to be afraid of the storm. And so with Christ, they are perfectly safe in the midst of the storm. And that is something that they must also learn through all of this. And so this afternoon, we'll listen to God's word under this theme. Our theme is tranquility in the midst of the storm. And in that theme, we're going to look at three things. First of all, we'll look at the fear that is felt. And secondly, the rebuke that is given. And thirdly, the amazement that is experienced. Matthew tells us a story about the storm that took place on the sea within the context of the Lord Jesus Christ's earlier discussion that's found right before our text about the cost of discipleship. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus entered the, the, the village of Capernaum. Capernaum, remember, was the village that had become his hometown and from which the Lord Jesus carried out his ministry throughout the area of Galilee. And so the crowds had all come uh, to hear and to see the Lord Jesus there in his hometown of Capernaum. And they were bringing to him uh, many of their, of their sick in order that they might be healed. And then Matthew says, the Lord Jesus saw the crowds that were coming. And when he saw the crowds, then he also gave the order that they should cross over to the other side of the lake. He wants to get away uh, from all of these people. The Lord Jesus also, he needed uh, rest uh, from all the activity that was going on around him. But before he gets into his boat, Matthew says there was a teacher of the law came to him, and he said to Jesus, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And then the Lord Jesus replies with an answer that seems to be rather odd and rather strange. When he says to him, he says, Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What's the Lord Jesus saying? Well, the Lord Jesus is saying this. He says to this teacher, he says, if you want to follow me, understand that it's going to require great sacrifices on your part. For you know that I myself will be persecuted and I will be rejected by the people. I have no place where I can lay my head, no place that I can call home because everybody will be opposed to me. Are you indeed, are you truly ready to follow someone who has no place that he can call his home? And then there's another disciple, a follower who comes to the Lord Jesus. And he says to the Lord Jesus, Lord, first of all, let me go and bury my father. And again, the Lord Jesus replies in what we would think is a strange way. He says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. In other words, let those who do not have life, let them bury, take care of those who are dead. And then after all of that, and then Matthew says, and then the Lord Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Well, Matthew is telling us a story within the context of the Lord Jesus calling his people to come and to follow him. And the, and the question really is this, is are they, and therefore also are we, we who are the readers of this gospel, are we prepared to, to bear the cost of following the Lord Jesus because following the Lord Jesus is a matter of the utmost trust. 
No one can follow the Lord Jesus if they do not trust him with their entire, with their entire heart. When we follow the Lord Jesus, we can be sure, Jesus says, that you're going to face hardships and there will be opposition, there will be persecution, and there are going to be troubles in your life. And so also when the disciples of the Lord Jesus, when they follow the Lord Jesus into the boat here in this instance, the disciples themselves did not know yet that he was going to lead them into a great storm there on the sea of Galilee. Now you know that while storms can often come up suddenly, we know that storms can come up suddenly on the Sea of Galilee. But the Lord Jesus here, he knew already when he stepped into his boat that he, together with his, his disciples, were going to sail through a great storm. He could have avoided the storm. He could have avoided it, avoided it by delaying the departure. But instead, now what does he command his disciples? He commands them to come and to follow him. And then we ask the question, well, why would he do that? Well, within the context, it's clear because he needed to teach his disciples that when they followed him, they were going to, encor- they were going to encounter many storms when they are going to be opposed by their enemies and those who oppose not only the Lord Jesus, but also oppose his disciples. And so it also gave the Lord Jesus then this opportunity to teach them that in order to to weather these storms that will come up in their lives, that they're going to need to put their complete trust in Him. They are to give their whole life to Him in faith. You see, beloved, the Lord Jesus does not guarantee that He's going to give us an easy life here on this earth. Disciples, perhaps they may have thought before this that, that, you know, if they follow the Lord Jesus, who's able to do all those miracles and heal all those people, that he's going to make their lives easy, that he will make their life smooth sailing. And their lives are going to be wonderful and there won't be any trials. They might expect that if, if Jesus is with them also here on this boat, and that he would make sure that they would have sail, smooth sailing across the lake. But that wasn't to be. For the Lord Jesus wants to teach them what trusting in Him is really like. And so Matthew says, he says, Without any warning, a furious storm it came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. I know the, the Sea of Galilee is a very small lake. It's about 20 kilometers long, about 12 kilometers wide. And the surface of the lake itself is about 600 feet below sea level. And it is surrounded by mountains that are thousands of feet high. And so since the lake sits in a very deep basin, the cooler upper air on the mountains, they can come sweeping down from the mountains, and, and the hot air can rise very quickly and cause suddenly, sudden violent squalls on this little lake. And so the disciples, they are now rowing across the lake, when suddenly, Matthew says, one of those squalls struck them without any warning. Matthew uses the Greek word seismic, which is translated as a furious or a great storm. Seismic is usually the word that we normally would use for the shaking of the, of the earth in an earthquake. And so the text then describes the storm as a great shaking of the lake that causes the boat to be violently tossed back and forth as the waves are crashing over the sides and into the boat. Well, remember that these disciples, they are experienced fishermen. And they knew the lake of 
the Sea of Galilee, they knew that lake intimately, and they had experienced many storms on many occasions because these storms would often arise suddenly. But this one, this one was so violent that they were deathly afraid of it. And then during all of this, Matthew says, he says, no, the Lord Jesus was just sleeping. Just sleeping through it all. Wasn't bothered at all. And so with great fear in their hearts, the disciples went and, and they woke up the Lord Jesus and they say, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Literally, they said, Lord, save us. We're going to be destroyed. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to perish. Remember these disciples, they've seen other storms and they have weathered them all before. This one, this one was simply too great for them. There was no way that even as experienced fishermen that they could find some way in which they were able to save their boat. You know, as experienced sailors in the path of a hurricane know that they will be destroyed and, they will be, and that they will perish. So these disciples, they knew that this storm was going to also destroy them. And that is clear from what they shout to the Lord Jesus, save us, we're going to perish. As we reflect on these words, it reminds us of what the psalmist also says in Psalm 46. Psalm 46, he talks about the earth giving way under your feet, of mountains falling into the heart of the sea, about waters that are roaring and foaming, and the mountains that are quaking with their surging. There, in a few words, he, he paints a picture of a world that is set upside down. The earth is opening up there under your feet. And the mountains are falling down before us into the ocean. And the waters, they are surging, perhaps surging, the surging that's produced by a hurricane. He gives a picture of a world that is physically becoming unraveled. And all the natural calamities are threatening to destroy the people. What fear, what terror this brings into the heart of mankind. But he also, in a psalm, speaks about nations, nations that are in uproar, kingdoms that fall. And so the psalmist describes a world that is unstable, that is insecure, a world in which there is no security for mankind, for there is present dangers everywhere. The people of Israel experience the fury of their, of their enemies, often so often throughout their history, when their enemies came and threatened to destroy them. And now the Lord Jesus, he wants to make very clear to his followers and to his disciples that all those who follow him too can be sure that they too will be threatened with dangers as they're being persecuted and as they're being opposed for their faith by the enemy. From a human perspective, there is so much for us to fear in this world in which we're living. There's so much to make us anxious and to worry about our lives. And I think as you read the story, I think we all can somewhat relate and understand the fear in the heart of the disciples as they are facing, as they are facing certain death there in the face of the storm. And during all of it, Matthew says, Jesus was sleeping. And so they go to the Lord Jesus, they wake him up. And I think they would be expecting the Lord Jesus to realize the danger and to be somewhat sympathetic towards them, understanding the danger that they were in. You would expect the Lord Jesus in this situation to speak gently with them, 
that he would understand their difficult situation and that he would want to reassure them in the midst of all of this danger. But that's not what you read. Just the opposite. When they wake him up and they shout that they're going to be destroyed, what does Lord Jesus do? He turns to them and he actually rebukes them. And he says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? You see, the attitude that the disciples have is not the attitude that the Lord Jesus is expecting from his followers. Or the disciples do, still do not fully understand who the Lord Jesus really is. Their eyes are still not open to the fact that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the Savior who was sent by God from heaven to save them. They still do not fully understand that this Jesus is the Son of God who has come to deliver them and to save them from their sin and from the misery of this life. Well, the Lord Jesus, he had a task to do on this earth. And his task was that he might come and might save his people from all of their sins. But that's also, you can say, well, the Lord Jesus was simply sleeping through the storm. The Lord Jesus is not worried about the storm, for his life could not be destroyed by such a storm. Why? Because he had work to do. There's still things that he needed, that needed to be done. The Lord Jesus still needed to go to Jerusalem, and there he will give his life on the cross for his people. And that means that he cannot perish here in the storm because there's greater work for him. And by faith, the disciples should have believed also that this storm could not destroy them, for the Savior who came to save them was indeed with them. But what happened, you can say, is this, is that their fear cast out faith. And that happens more often in the lives of God's people. Beloved, when we're faced with troubles and hardships, when our lives are, are in, in danger, I think we all struggle with fear, sometimes even dread and terror in our hearts. And when the fear begins to take over in our heart, we are overcome with anxiety and with worry. And that anxiety and that worry can drive out our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes us doubt and question whether he is indeed there to care for us. And so the question that we need to ask is, so what do we do? Uh, so what do we fear more? What do we fear more? Do we fear our fellow man who might be opposed to us and who might threaten us? Or do we fear the dangers, do we fear the dangers of the world that are around us? Or do we fear the Lord God Almighty in heaven? And when you fear God... The result is that it will drive out fear for other people and for the other problems and difficulties there in your life, beloved. Jesus understood that the fear in the hearts of his disciples was a result of their lack of faith in him as their Lord and as their Savior. For if they follow the Lord Jesus with their whole heart, then they would also trust the Lord will take care of us. He will also... Protect us here in the midst of the storm, here on the sea. If the Lord Jesus is with us, then we don't need to be afraid for our lives. He will care for us. That's the confidence, beloved, that's also expressed by the psalmist. In in Psalm 46, he says, No, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. 
Then in verse 2 of that psalm, he says, Even if the whole world is set upside down, if the earth gives way, and the mountains plunge into the hearts of the sea, we will not be afraid. And even if the nations are in uproar against God's people, we will not fear, for God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her. That He's talking about his people will help her at break of day. That was the psalmist speaking there in the Old Testament about the Lord God of Israel. Well, today, beloved, we have something even greater. Today we have the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah who came to this world. And the Messiah, he was with his disciples. And that should have also given the disciples their greatest confidence as they were in the midst of the storm. But no, they still struggled with their faith. And they allow the fear to overcome them. And then you read that the Lord Jesus gives a second rebuke. Then he got up in the boat and, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And Matthew says, and it was completely, completely calm. Jesus displays his great power over the forces of nature. Well, you know, at first in the story, Matthew writes that a very great storm arose on the sea. And then in parallel language, he writes, and that a very great calm came over the sea. And so Jesus rebuked the winds, he rebuked the waves, and they listened to him so that the winds stopped blowing and the waves stopped their swelling. The lake became calm and became mirror smooth. Imagine a moment earlier, there are the winds, the winds were howling, the waves were crashing into the boat. And the next moment, there's absolute tranquility on the sea. Disciples went from a moment of pure horror and terror to a time of great tranquility on the water. Suddenly, their fear and their dread is changed when the conditions become perfect for them to safely cross the sea. We need to understand that the Lord Jesus does this to show his disciples that their lives are perfectly safe there in his hands. Remember how the psalmist, Psalm 46, uh, he ends the psalm with when he quotes the Lord God speaking. God speaks at the end of the Psalm 46 and says this. He says, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. Notice there in the psalm, the Lord God there is also rebuking his people. And he says, be still. Be still, that means put away your fear, put away your anxiety and your worry. And why? Well, the earth, you know, is being set upside down. The enemies are making life difficult. The people are facing real troubles in their life, and that is making life so hard and uncertain. And when we face with that kind of, situ- that kind of situation in our, in our lives, beloved, how can we then indeed be still? Well, God answers that. He says, know that I am God. In other words, know that I'm the sovereign Lord. Know that I am in control of everything in this world. Know that I'm also in control of your life. And so trust me. Trust me with your whole life. Well, the Lord Jesus is basically saying the same thing to his disciples here in the boat. And he's saying the same thing to us, beloved, as his followers. He's saying, I'm God. Remember that I am your Savior. 
Remember that I have control over all the forces of nature around you. And therefore, you do not need to fear for your life, but you can trust me with your whole life. Beloved, there are going to be many occasions when the Lord God then also leads us into the storms of life, even as he led his disciples there onto the, onto that, onto the sea and into the storm there. And yet he is the one who says, trust me, I will protect you and I will keep you safe through the storms of life. The struggle that, that we have is the same as the disciples. And that is that we will often want to also make our demands on the Lord Jesus. I remember the, the disciples, they woke up the Lord Jesus and they demand from him, Lord, save us. And they made that demand because they did not believe that the Lord Jesus would protect them, being there in the boat with them. And how often don't we do the same thing in our lives? We make demands on Christ. Lord, if you really love me, if you really care about me, then you're going to make my life better. Then you will take away my troubles. You will remove the problems from my life. We make that demand on the Lord. Lord, show us your love and your care by doing these things for us. But beloved, that is not living by faith. In fact, we call that manipulating the Lord Jesus to do what we want him to do for us. But faith is different. When you live by faith, and in faith you say, I know, Lord, that you are my Lord. I know that you are my Savior. Faith says, Lord, I trust that you will also lead me through these storms. And you will lead me through these troubles that I'm facing today. Oh, we may, and we're allowed to be allowed, we're allowed to, we may indeed ask the Lord to, to take away those troubles in our lives. We say, Lord, if it be your will, could you also remove this challenge, this hardship, this problem from me? Remember the Apostle Paul once asked the Lord Jesus that he might remove the thorn from his flesh because it hindered him from doing his work. But he says, but the Lord Jesus did not grant him that request. My grace is sufficient for you, Jesus said. And yet the Lord watched over Paul's life. And he even used that thorn in his flesh as a means by which he furthered the gospel work in this world. And therefore, beloved, we, we do not ask the Lord to, to make our lives tranquil so that we are never faced with troubles in our daily lives. We ask for something else. We ask the Lord that he might give us a tranquil heart in the face of the troubles and the problems that we face in our daily lives. That which we seek, beloved, is tranquility in the midst of the chaos and the troubles and the problems that we face. We pray, Lord, that, that, you, that he may give to us faith each day, a faith that will cast out fear, that completely trusts our life is secure there in the hands of our Savior. And then finally, we're told about the amazement that is expressed by the disciples. Matthew says the men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. It's hard for us to, to imagine the astonishment of, of, of these men. That must have been some experience. Just imagine 
sitting in a boat. One moment you're in the middle of a raging sea. You know that basically you're going to die very soon. And the next moment the sea is perfectly tranquil. What power this man has that the winds and the waves obey him. And here you can say, in a way that we really come to to the real point that Matthew wants to make with this story. The Lord Jesus comes and he reveals to his disciples, I'm not an ordinary man. No one can do what I do, and therefore you must indeed, and therefore Jesus reveals that he is indeed the very Son of God, the one who is sent by the Father in heaven to be the Savior of his people. This Jesus, who has power over the winds and over the waves, is the same one who created the world in the beginning and who made the wind and who made the waves. The Creator then also shows He has the power over all that which He has created. Yes, He comes in power. In power, He also comes as the Savior of the world. And the more the disciples learn about this man, uh, through the weeks and the years they are with him, the more they learn to stand in awe of him. And beloved, it's really no different for us today. You can really say that the goal, the thing that we want to, to do each day again is we want to learn more. Learn more about the Lord Jesus. Learn more about who he is. Because the more that, that we learn about his mighty deeds, the more we learn about his mercy, about his love, about his grace for us, the more our heart goes out to him in faith and in trust. The more we learn about his greatness, the more we realize that we do not need to fear the troubles and the problems of this life. That we may fully entrust our life there into the hands of our Savior. And then within us there will be awe and amazement. And beloved, we'll live each day by faith. Each day we will again begin the day by trusting our Lord Jesus to take care of our whole life. And that faith gives to us a, a new perspective on, uh, on this life. A perspective that so many people in this world just don't have. Your faith in Christ is going to determine the way in which you're going to pr- approach your daily life. Take care about two artists, two artists who are, are painters, and they're painting the same landscape scene. They both look at the landscape scene that's there before them. They're both awed by the beauty of what they see. The one's a Christian, and the other is not a Christian, an unbeliever. They both paint the same scene, and when you look at their painting afterwards, they might even look almost identical. Well, you know, the unbeliever wants to capture the beauty of what he or she sees there on the canvas. And he wants other people to, uh, to be able to express, express appreciation for his or her painting. But the believer, the believer looks at that scene and, and he sees before him or her the finger of God at work. And he tries to capture on his canvas something of the beauty that God has created. And he sees the mountain, he sees in the mountain peaks, and he sees in the streams, and he sees in the flowers and the trees and the animals. He sees something of the magnificent wisdom and the glory and the majesty of God. 
As God's people, we need to stand in amazement before God's great power and His wisdom. And it's by faith that we need to see the world as God's canvas. On which the Lord, you can say, is, ma- is painting a masterpiece. And so you need to see also the strokes of his brush. Not only there in the beauty of his creation, but also in the things that happen in your daily life. Then you realize that every aspect in your life, every event that takes place in your life, every turn, every twist on the road of life, is another stroke of God's brush that adds to the masterpiece that he is creating. Our Lord and Savior is leading us. And beloved, in faith, we want to follow him wherever he leads us. In faith, we fully trust that he is indeed the one who cares for us. That he's there every step of the way. In faith, I know that this too is the work of my Lord and the work of my Savior. And so in Christ, my heart and my soul is always at rest. In Christ, I discover a wonderful tranquility in the midst of the storms of this life. Because I know. Because I believe with my whole heart. That he will lead me through those storms and he will bring me into the glorious kingdom of my God. And therefore I want to praise him. As all God's people then will also say, Amen. Let us say our Amen. With the words of the psalmist, Psalm 46, stands 1, 2, and 5. Psalm 46 says 1, 2, and 5.